0: Hello and welcome to this special bonus episode of the Travel Diaries podcast brought to you in partnership with Tourism Ireland. Here each week on the podcast, we uncover the travel destinations that have shaped the lives of my guests. And this week, we are focusing specifically on one of my all time favourite destinations, the island of Ireland, with such a breadth of experiences and activities on offer in Ireland it's no wonder it's such a popular destination to have been mentioned by my guests over the last seven seasons and today I'm joined by one of Ireland's most loved exports TV presenter Angela Scanlon. Angela will be drawing on her lifetime of affection for and travels in her home country as we uncover her Irish travel diaries. So what will we discover? let's get started and find out Angela Scanlon welcome to the travel diaries and to this destination special celebrating the island of Ireland it's amazing to see you how are you I'm really well, thank you.
1: It's funny when you're like, celebrating Ireland, I just want to break into Ole, Ole, Ole. (laughs) It's also not an Irish song, but we've kind of co-opted it from Italia 90. Whole other story, but nice to be here, Holly. Thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure. And I mean, safe to say that obviously Ireland has a very special place in your heart.
1: Yeah, it does. I am Irish, if you haven't guessed from my accent. (laughs) Um, I'm also an Irish redhead. I did river dance. I did did Irish dance. dance. Yeah, so I think I kind of feel like sometimes I may be, you know, the poster (laughs) girl. poster girl for Ireland or like Ireland personified um, so yeah but I, I grew up in Ireland it, it does feel like quite a bit uh, a big part of my identity and I just I, I love Ireland it's still very much home I live in London but I, I definitely refer to, to Ireland as home which I think is quite maybe it is quite an Irish thing you know whether you're going mm-hmm. home for Christmas or whether you're going home for summer holidays or whenever, if I go back for work, I'm always, you know, I, I will refer to it as home 10 years after leaving. Your home. family
0: is still there, are they? My family are all still there, yeah. And and so when you get on that plane and you fly back to Ireland, it's like a homecoming every time.
1: Maybe it is normal to take for granted what is right on your doorstep. We, we all do it. So I feel really fortunate that I get to go over and back quite a bit with work and, and family. But I I do feel like I get to experience it fresh all the time and really appreciate it. And it's very embarrassing to kind of, you know, drink in the 50 shades or the 40 shades of green. Um, But yeah, when I when I fly in, I posted on Instagram the other day, like a, a picture from from the plane. And it's it's so beautiful Ireland is so beautiful and it's so green and it's so lush and I think only after you know years in London did I properly realize that kind of there's like an opening
0: a a kind of catharsis
1: an an exhalation when I see it from the plane when it's in in touching distance and I don't know whether that's you know the the kind of nature and the the visual side of it. It's just very soothing to me. And then obviously there's a shorthand and there's a kind of an ease, I suppose, when I go to Ireland and there's a wink and, you know, you p- go in to the passport, you hand in your passport and they're like, welcome home. And it's just, ah. there's, you know, that kind of slightly stereotypical friendly openness, you know, that you do, you do take for granted, but it, it does, it feels like a hug, you know, and I think that's very special about Ireland really.
0: And so today we're going to go on a journey through your Irish travel diary so slightly abridged format of the Mm -hmm. uh, the longer episodes where we're going to start with chapter one which is your earliest childhood travel memory in Ireland. My earliest and favourite and still most treasured travel memory is of going to Tribalgan in
1: Cork uh, as a kid I don't remember exactly what age I was but myself and my three sisters were bundled into a car uh, in my mind and when I looked back on the memory I thought it was a van I've been since told it was a car <laughs> Um, caravan hitched hitched to the back and we headed for for Cork which is so Tribalgan is kind of I guess like a Butlins type place so it's very kid friendly. There's a big leisure center. It's by the sea. So it's, it's got that kind of idyllic setting, but then there's a caravan park and there's camping and there's very, very child focused, family focused. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we afterwards went to, you know, we went to Disney world and we went to places much further afield and much more seemingly exotic, but myself and my sisters always talk about, about that holiday as the one that we really, we really cherish, I think. And I don't know whether part of that is because it was at home. It was maybe our first family holiday together. There's there's something quite uh, evocative about that, but it was just so free. You know, we were kind of like, yeah, we were allowed to pretty much do, do what we wanted. I mean, there was a, a pool where they had a wave machine and there was also a big yellow slide. So I got one of my life lessons there, the big yellow slide, which was kind of closed in like a tube slide. And it was quite steep and it would just spit you out into like a a plunge pool at the bottom. So it wasn't like one of those big meandering water park slides. It was quite, you know, in and out job, but it was steep. And my older sister went up, did it, loved it. I went up and kind of, was a little bit afraid of heights. And so I would go up, get ready to do it and then sculpt back down. And so I I kind of had this little dance with the slide for a week where it got the better of me every single time. And on the very last morning, I was like, I'm going to do the yellow slide before we go. And it was genuinely one of the most exhilarating things I've ever done in my life. (laughs) And so that lesson of kind of don't wait till the last day to do the yellow slide, I could have had 10 days of the yellow slide. So, you know, Beautiful memory coupled with hideous regret.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and now in different moments of life, you're just like, no, you've got a yellow slide that. That's a yellow slide moment. Get yeah. in. If you don't like it,
1: you can go in the wave pill for the rest of the week, but don't miss the potential to go on the slide every single day.
0: <laughs> so that was by the beach um, and obviously it was like a really exciting contrast to growing up. So tell me about where you grew up in, and how... How that differed and what it was like. So, I grew up in Meath, uh, which is close to Dublin, but
1: very much in the country. And my parents are from Galway and Mayo on the West Coast. So, I felt like we were very country, even though now people will say, oh, Meath is basically a suburb of Dublin. It's not really, but it kind of is my dad would would describe us as as free range, <laughs> which I think feels quite apt. I think, you know, our our upbringing was pretty loose, you know, and there was a freedom that, again, I I completely took for granted. And I don't know whether there was a time or a location thing, but we definitely had a sense of independence that, you know, with young daughters now, I don't imagine they will have in in London. I think Mead often is not necessarily a place that people will We'll visit my husband's from Cork and so he's very pro Cork all Corkonians are FYI it's like an affliction they all have um, <laughs> and I have you know gone over to the dark side but he'll kind of say oh me that's flat land it's like quite lush land but actually there's not that much there total nonsense. There's such kind of history, again, that I didn't understand fully growing up, but like chronogues and old mythical sites with stone circles and Newgrange is there, which is our equivalent of Stonehenge and kind of this, you know, amazing, historic, like ancient structure that has so much history and spirituality and wow. um, yeah, magic, I suppose. And we went there as kids on school tours, but again, didn't really realize how lucky we were to have it on our on our doorstep. So yeah and the hill of tara which again steeped in history which we would just go you know for a sunday stroll on the hill of tara and it's kind of the the type of place that people come from all around the world if they're into into that sort of mythology and it's just really really beautiful actually
0: so what do you see if you go to the hill well the hill of
1: tara is basically the highest point in me it's where the high kings of ireland used to reside so truthfully there's not it's not like there's a massive amount to see but there's a beautiful old church and there's like cafes and there's little shops and um, but it's more the feeling of the land similar to Stonehenge like you go you look at the stone but actually it's more what what happened there and the feeling so people will go for you know ceremonies and little retreats and go for uh yeah to kind of connect I guess spirituality and with history and all of that kind of stuff so
0: it it does have quite a magical uh magical feel to it so if you were doing say a city break to Dublin Mm. would could you could you add these on as a an excursion yeah, that would be a perfect uh, combination
1: because obviously there's loads of history, wonderful history in in Dublin, but that kind of deep like mythology, I think me is is the place to go for that. So yeah, you could definitely do city break and all of the joy that Dublin has to offer. And I lived in Dublin for years, and it is an incredible city, and it's a small city when you compare it to London. Certainly, it's contained, so you can walk from one side to the other. The city is very uh, is very compact, and like. A brilliant brilliant food scene and then yeah nip out to the hill of tara to newgrange there's a farm if you've got kids with you a newgrange farm where there's like it's really quite a special little spot so yeah definitely tagging those two together is a really a really great thing to do
0: nice okay noted noted for when the baby comes along right yes yes well actually as you brought that up you've just had your second baby congratulations Thanks. thank you Um, And I'm about to have my first. So what would you say would be the best destination for families in Ireland or a great thing to do with your family in Ireland?
1: I think Ireland generally is a wonderful place uh, for families because it's so... like there's so much nature. There are so many trails. There are walks. So if you've got like that little, you know, I'm, I'm a big one for a sling. I love like baby in a sling and let's go. So whether it's cycling or whether it's long walks or whether it's just like hopping in the car with a cooler bag, there's something that feels quite old school about that and about just discovering somewhere. And there are millions, like the wild Atlantic way is, um, is a route uh, from the tip of Ireland. It's all along the west coast, from the tip of Ireland to the top of Ireland, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you can seek out places that you'll be. You could be completely on your own, or you can be welcomed with open arms into a little pub for some lunch and some madness. And mm-hmm. yeah, I think that like kids are are. Welcomed. It's impossible not to connect with nature in Ireland, is the truth of it. You know, yeah. even if you're in a car and not actually walking, you you're surrounded
0: by it. And what's great is like nature's free at the end of the day as well. So it's such like good value because you could just yeah. get out and see these beautiful sights with your kids. Yeah. And that sense of exploring, you know, you can't really adventure you can't yeah. really
1: go wrong yeah there's there are there's just so many trails and hikes which has become really really popular as well I think and um, so lots of those that are mapped or if you want to go rogue and off-piste also amazing places where you can have the have the place yourself and you know whether it's self-catering and packing sandwiches into a into a tote bag and heading heading for the hills and I think that's really lovely the idea that you've discovered you know somewhere new and that you're on your own like when does that Ever happen anywhere, yeah. and it happens all the time. I was in a place. My dad's from Mayo, and we went to a place called Keen Bay, like one of the most sensationally beautiful places ever. You can see Achill Island from it, and it's like this idyllic white beach. Um, and you ha- you come down this crazy little road to get to it. There's sheep, ha- literally hanging off the sides of the mountains, and then you get to the beach and there was nobody on it and I just don't know anywhere in the world with such a beautiful beach that wouldn't be packed um, Mm -hmm. in the middle of summer so I think you 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 have the sense of of being you know on your own in these glorious places and that just is is so magical really yeah
0: that wild Atlantic way trip is on my like travel bucket list actually I've always wanted to do that so moving on to chapter two, that mm-hmm. is the first place that you fell in love with in Ireland.
1: The first place I fell in love with, and I don't know that is connected to falling in love with an actual human boy. <laughs> but every... Summer we would go to what was called is called the Gaeltacht, which is um, an Irish college where you go to learn the Irish language. So it's yeah, like these pockets and be- amazing communities where Irish language is still the predominant um first language. And so we would go to Kalosha, on Fearsing, um, which was in, in in Guidor, a place called Guidor in Donegal. And to me, I don't know whether it was like it it was just such a mad mad contrast still in the country but so rugged and it was by the beach and we would do day trips to the beach but we would also be like roaming in fields and fields that were vast but where they had stacked stone walls so it felt really um like really foreign in a way and there was a little shop called the shop of Bui, and everybody it was just very small and very um Wild, I suppose And just everything felt so Local, You know, you get pocket money and you go into the little shop and buy your penny sweets, And so it was a very kind of, it was, you know, the forging of some of my my best friendships. There was always outings. I probably was introduced to hiking and the great outdoors and like in a really rugged sense for the first time. Destinations that are on the tip of the coast, there's just a kind of... Uh, like a very special madness <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that I absolutely love. My dad is from a place called Belmullet, and we'll get to that. And that is, you know, they say Belmullett, next stop is America. And I think Guido had had that sense for me. So there was a familiarity to it. And the accents are so like lyrical and so <laughs> musical. And so that it just felt like quite a quite a different place to me. And I still think back and and really does have a, a special place in my heart. My Irish is not so great anymore, but um. Yeah, it was it was fun times.
0: Chapter three, then, is your all-time favourite destination in Ireland. Such a hard one when it's such an amazing country, but where comes to mind?
1: This is such a tricky one because I have been all over. I used to do a travel show, so I've been literally in every county in Ireland doing pretty amazing things. But maybe because of the childhood link, um, and more recently, because of just some really special times I've s- spent down there with my husband and with my own little family, Glandore a place called Glandor kind of has slightly stolen my heart and it's in West Cork. And it is just one of the most gorgeous places that I've ever been. And I went there and. Um, I wrote some of my book from there. I used to like literally sit on the edge of a little cliff. You're right, right on the water. I'd go cold water swimming there in the middle of December. Like it was brutal, but just glorious Um, and, and feel so remote, really lovely food scene down there. And so I always kind of say, even though my life in London is very busy, and I always dream of retiring maybe tomorrow to West Cork to set up like a cafe and a bookshop and a florist. And that's my like idyllic dream life that somebody else is probably living <laughs> at this very moment. So yeah, I'm gonna say it's it's Glandor. People go sailing there. Now I've never sailed in my life, but like people are out on paddle boards and Sailing and canoeing around the bay, and like kids, um, so there's a kind of safety to it, and that's the perfect combo for me. Is the sense that you're uh, doing something that not everybody else is doing, but it doesn't feel, you know,
0: dangerous. <laughs> that sounds beautiful. I mean, I've seen photos of that part of Ireland, yeah. and it is just so magnificent. Mm-hmm. Well there's like a place called Castle Townsend and there's Skull and there's
1: uh, Skibberine and Union Hall so all in and around that place and Like beautiful houses, great places to stay, random little bakeries and Michelin star restaurants, and you know, quirky little trucks on the edge of a beach that sell fish and chips. And so it just feels like it's kind of got everything in quite a small space. And the beach is again really untouched and really remote. And Forests that you can kind of get lost in, and beautiful old castles, and it just yeah, it's it's a really gorgeous, gorgeous place.
0: Your podcast, thanks a million. It focuses on I, I love it by the way, I'm a big Thank fan, you. and it focuses on gratitude a lot and about giving thanks, something that I try and apply in my life as much as I can. And I just wondered, really, aside obviously from your family who are there, what about Ireland? Are you most thankful for? So
1: my podcast is interviewing wonderful people from all walks of life, whether that's wellness or comedians or actors or um, writers about the things that they're thankful for. And it's essentially a way of me forcing myself to look for the good. Mm -hmm. And this possibly is something that from an Irish language point of view, is hard. I think it maybe doesn't come naturally always to Irish people. We have a very sunny disposition, but you'll say, how are you doing today? And I'll say, no, not bad, which is a good thing. Not bad is, is as good as it gets (laughs) as an answer. And I, I don't know, but I think the thing that I am most grateful for now, I certainly wasn't, but is the weather. The weather in Ireland, really, because it is literally yes. You don't know what you're going to get if you're going on holidays in Ireland. If you live in Ireland, then you know, pack a raincoat and like embrace it. And I and I guess that sense of embracing whatever is literally thrown at you has is something that I've I've kind of learned to go with. And so I think, yeah, there's there's a sense that once you've got an anorak, you're literally ready anything. So, so the Irish weather has taught me resilience. It's taught me adaptability. It's taught me to look for the good in a very gray situation and to go actually when it's raining, it doesn't mean staying indoors. It means actually going for a swim in the sea, in the rain, because you'll probably have it to yourself. Um, and you can find something brilliant in
0: something seemingly gray. Love that. And Something that you can apply wherever you are as well.
1: Yeah, but especially in Ireland.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Chapter four then is your Irish hidden gem. I mean, you said you you did a travel program there. Mm -hmm. You've you've, you've traveled the country so extensively. So, I wondered if you could share with the listeners a place that you discovered that you love that maybe we wouldn't know so much about.
1: I am actually going to go with my dad's hometown. Mm-hmm. When we were kids, we would go all the time. And more recently, I think it has been maybe included in the wild Atlantic way. People are a little more familiar, but it's a place called Belmullet and it's in Mayo and it's on like on the furthest reaches of the West Coast. It's just a really untouched, unspoiled part of the world uh, that I've only in recent years properly understood how privileged I suppose I was to kind of drop in to a place like that that hasn't been touched and you know there's so few places like that now you know you have a Starbucks in every town no matter where you go and this Mm. has got its own like, like independent little businesses and it's got its own traditions and its own little festivals and it's it's such a quirky little place and there's a pub called McDonald's and the pub is owned by the undertakers and it's all of, like it's so <laughs> the town itself is like this character but it's also filled with these amazing yeah just amazing people. And, and I do think that's a very Irish thing. Yes. You get to see gorgeous places. You get to immerse yourself in nature. You get to lose yourself um, and feed yourself wonderful locally produced food, but you also get to meet some of the most brilliant, mad eggs you'll ever meet in your life. And so, for me, Bell Mullet has that. There's um, there's just a kind of energy uh, that you, that you can't help but being swept up in, and there's you know beautiful lighthouses. Black Sod Lighthouse and Claggan Island, and so near there's a beach called Shra Beach, which now has become a little more discovered because it's so brilliant for windsurfing.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So it's it's pretty wild and uh, windy. And it's a like a massive long stretch of beach. Again, the type of beach you nip down to, you take a picnic to, you go on a miles long walk, and you will not bump into another soul. There's dogs running around it. There's a kind of like it's just completely untouched and unspoiled. So if you're into sea, sea swimming, you go there. You're you're alone, but it's very safe. So there's no rip tide. There's no um. You know, you don't have. To, it's like this perfect, clean gorgeous unspoiled beach that you'll have to yourself like your own private beach so you feel like something otherworldly. it sounds so beautiful. There's a little like island called Claggan um, that gets cut off so when the tide is in you cannot get off Claggan Island <gasps> so you can drive out there and then you're you know stuck but in the best place in the world on this little island perched on the edge of the Atlantic where nobody can find you. <laughs> and to me that like set, being able to access somewhere so remote and beautiful is just, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. I kind of feel like I shouldn't tell you about this place, but yeah, Shra, <laughs> Shra Beach, Claggan Island, Eris Head, like just brilliant untouched rugged like I used to always think of it as a kind of like there's a lot of bog and it it can feel quite bleak and you go there in the winter and it's just it's cinematic in its scenery so it's Kerry I love and it's lush and it's green and that's the kind of postcard of Ireland. Mayo to me is like Nobody knows about it and it's bleak and there's like trees that are sideways from persistent winds. <laughs> Being battered. Totally, but it's yeah. so um, enduring and there's that kind of, there's a spirit to it that is so uh, unique and I think it's very um symbolic of of the people and maybe of some of the hardship of that sort of land that wasn't lush and that didn't provide very well for people um in terms of sustenance but there is just a spirit and a spark it's um the yeah it's fab fab place
0: wow you painted such an evocative picture there that sounds absolutely incredible and do, just to ask quickly do people live on the island or is it yeah they do yeah the howards mostly
1: um so there's a family over there and they have got like pods now so you can rent these pods and essentially be in these little pods perched on the edge of of the atlantic with nobody around you and it is yeah it's
0: it's wow what an experience Mm. well thank you so much angela for Painting such an amazing picture of your beautiful homeland. Chapter five, the final chapter, is the destination that is at the top of your Irish travel bucket list. Where would you love to go that maybe you haven't been to or that you're desperate to go back to?
1: Desperate to go back to. Um, I've only been twice in my life, Uh, once as a kid. And then more recently, I brought my husband back, and it's a place called Clare Island and it is uh, again on the west coast but it's this tiny little island my grand aunt lives there my granny was from there you got to get a boat out mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. um there are no th- like barely any cars on the island there's is one re- one hotel and then more recently there's a lighthouse that has been bought and and, and transformed into a really small boutique hotel
0: oh, and we wow. stayed
1: in in a bedroom, literally in the lighthouse. And again, it's, it's right on the edge of a cliff and it's so, it's so rugged and remote. And this maybe is not the right word, but it's so violent. Like you're on the edge and you're on the cliff and these like, you know, an expansive open sea. And then that's coupled with this really characterful and welcoming and, and warm island like there's one post office run by a guy called pork my my granny's sister is is still there she's in her 90s and her name is Anne Morin and if we want to send so she's known as Anne Twin because there's two Anne's on the island so you can literally send a card to her Anne Twin Claire Island and it will get to her no way yeah and it's just yeah it's again it just feels so foreign I suppose in in many ways and so kind of just perfectly preserved yeah. in time and I remember taking so you cycle around the island and um stop off and have a picnic and you stop into the post office and you get some goodies for the way and then you go onwards to see whatever you want to see and there's like it's a really great place for cycling But I remember once walking to get the ferry back and stopping down. I was like, let's just go down this. I could smell something. I was like, there's something happening. And so we followed this little, like tiny little trail down to this teeny little port. And there was a a fisherman who had been out in like a really small, very lo-fi boat and had caught fresh mackerel. And he had a bucket, like a cast iron bucket, filled with charcoal and a little. um, I mean, it feels a bit Rick Stein, but a a little grill. And he was grilling fresh mackerel on the side of the boat because he had gone out that morning, gotten mackerel. We sat on the edge. He invited us to have some mackerel and to have some Guinness. And I just thought, oh my god, this is what people like work their entire lives to achieve and this guy does this every single day hops out in his boat gets some mackerel comes back in has some mackerel shares it with locals shares a chat has a bit of a story wrapped up in newspaper some mackerel for me to take to my grand-aunt and her cats and it was just like I can still I'm literally salivating remembering the taste of the mackerel that had just come out of the sea and it was just idyllic i was like this is where this is what life is yeah or could yeah, be or should yeah.
0: be yeah oh that sounds incredible well okay well i've added that to my irish travel bucket this is clare well. island clare yeah. island looking out for Anne twin i yeah. will go and say yeah. looking out for
1: and there's a very famous <laughs> so the saw doctors i don't know whether you're aware of them but they're like an irish treasure band and they have um they have a, a song about Clear Island that's really like very romantic and very beautiful and uh yeah it's it's a it's a
0: quite a special quite a romantic place I would say. Brilliant oh thank you so much uh Angela and those were your Irish travel diaries it has Yay. been wonderful what's thank you so much in Irish?
1: which means a million thousand million welcomes it's basically what my podcast is is uh, named after. Thanks a million. So it's Gurav Neela Mahagoth. I've been trying to teach it to my kids.
0: A oh, big thank you to the lovely Angela Scanlon. If her Irish travel diaries have inspired you to book a trip to Ireland, you can discover more epic activities at Ireland.com. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. And I'll be back on Tuesday.